This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Hi, Doug. Hello, Eric. Uh, Today's episode, we have uh, Gerard with the Tacoma Concert Band. He is a maestro, which I I so wish I could roll that R. And we have uh, (laughs) Stephen, who is uh, with uh, the Puget Sound Revels. Yes, and Gerard's a euphonium player. And we also learn about the hurdy-gurdy. Hurdy-gurdy. A fascinating instrument. Yeah, there's a group called Pint and Dale, a couple, and they incorporate hurdy-gurdy into their sea shanties. Sometimes they play for maritime fests and things. Very cool. Well, let's give it a listen. Well, I'm here with uh, my guest to do a little bit of a uh, December preview of some holiday shows that are coming up this weekend. Uh, we actually have two loggers in the house. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm uh, Gerard Morris, director of bands and interim director of the School of Music at the University of Puget Sound and conductor of the Tacoma Concert Band. Conductor of the Tacoma Concert Band. Uh, in the emails leading up to this, I heard you were Maestro is that is that actually uh, your title as well as conductor or is that just the same thing? Well, maestro and conductor is the same thing, but I think maestro's got a nice ring to it. It does so have we a can nice ring. That. I can't roll my R's, but if I if I could, I'd really really <laughs> emphasize it there. And uh, I'm Stephen Neshaba. I um, I teach at University of Puget Sound, and uh, I'm also president of the board of Revels uh, of Puget Sound Revels. Yeah, and I've been involved on the stage you know, as a singer and dancer for 20 odd years in, in various, various ways. But yeah, as Moon, part of the Christmas Moonlighting show. on the side from, from teaching it. Uh, Pretty UK's. much. I've always tried to figure out how I can sort of slip that activity into my, uh, into my review statements mm-hmm. for, you know, <laughs> for promotion. promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know you danced, Steve. <laughs> well, this is great. <laughs> and, yeah, what, okay. what got you started in, in the, in the arts and singing and dancing? Oh, well, that goes way back to high school. Yeah. So I was a drummer for musicals uh, in, my, in, in, in high school for a sort of a local theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually I sort of got dragged up onto, pulled onto the stage. And uh, so I did a lot of musicals. Then I didn't really do anything in, in, in for a long time. And uh, it was really only kind of got back into it seriously once I, actually my first fall here at University of Puget Sound in 94 when uh, Mary Lynn, who's the executive director, uh, was, uh, you know, there was a kid's, uh, there was a, <laughs> there was like a, a Mother's Day out and Father's Day out. And anyway, she found yeah. me there, found out that I was a tenor. And uh, I feel like that that's not an uncommon story where adults come back to something that they loved when they were younger and they realize that like this is, this is an important part of me and I put it away in a drawer for a little while as I was doing the hard work of being an adult and then, you know, like, oh, yes, this is actually really important. You totally hear that all the time. I do. Amongst, you know, the other cast members. That's yeah. exactly, it's exactly what you say. Yeah. What about you, uh, Jared? What uh, got you into music? Well, I started um, showing a love for music pretty young and it was from watching PBS, actually. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, I remember when I was really young catching a Leonard Bernstein program. 
and uh, children's program, and just falling in love with the sound of the orchestra. Um, and so that turned in, I, you know, from watching that, I wanted to be a conductor. And so I needed a baton to do that. And so when I was a kid, I just broke the telescoping antenna off my radio. Oh, wow. And used you it were as, committed. I was. <laughs> I took tinfoil to create an antenna on the radio so that I could actually hear the classical station. And then I would use my telescoping baton to conduct like Leonard Bernstein. So my, I don't know what I don't know if my parents really knew what was going on, but I think they probably enjoyed it. Besides the radio, did you ever break anything with that baton as you were <laughs> swishing it around the no, room? No, I may have hit a couple of my sisters with it. <laughs> but, you know, um, but moving forward from there, I, did, I didn't actually become involved playing music until uh, fifth grade. I started on viola, actually. <laughs> I like the string instruments. But uh, it's kind of a tragic story with a triumphant ending. But Mr. Zomchak, I'll never forget his name was my fifth grade teacher and he was just um, he was really mean. Oh. And this is the this is a good story. I think it's how it's formed me as a teacher. It's one of the many stories that have formed me and my experiences in my life and how I teach and how I try to connect with people. But he one day we were supposed to show up and play Mary Had a Little Lamb and I had practiced and practiced and he gave everyone in the room a star except me because he told me I didn't sound good enough. Mm. And I, so I, I quit. Yeah. And um, I started again in seventh grade. And there's a long story to how I became a euphonium player, which is like a baby tuba. I was just going to ask what yeah. a euphonium is. Low brass you. instrument like okay. a baby tuba. And um, I had been, I wanted to be a percussionist, um, but. Too many of those, and then I picked the bassoon, and too many of those, and then the oboe, and too many of those. And so people who are listening are probably and know these instruments are probably thinking, like, how could you possibly have too many? Diaries? I am curious, yeah. And so she just had uh, enough students that selected them, and there were no more instruments in the inventory. Ah, okay. So uh, she didn't have a baritone player, and so she pulled it out, opened it up. She's like, here, play this. And I'm like, I don't What is that? Yeah, what is that? And so she's uh, like, well, it's a baritone horn. And if you do really well on this, I'll stick you with the advanced kids next semester. And I thought, great. And so that's how I became a euphonium player. And it served me well. I played it professionally in the military, in the Marine Corps, and uh, professionally with the Boulder Brass. And so that became my vehicle to become a conductor. Wow. Yeah. So, so when did you first get to pick up the baton professionally? Uh, professionally speaking, uh, well, I had opportunities. I had a really wonderful high school band director mm. who would let, put me on the podium and let me conduct occasionally. Um, but it was really when I uh, was in the Marine Corps and stationed out in Hawaii, um, out in Kaneohe. And I, my band, my band leader there, uh, the band officer, uh, knew that I was thinking of of a career as a conductor and the military wanted to keep me in the military. So they started giving me these gigs to conduct. Um, and the band officer would just let me do it. Um, and so that was really the first professional uh, piece for me. I did not stay in the military um, for more than just um, one, one tour, mm -hmm. four years. Um, and then I, I, I came back to school and did, three degrees. So I have my advanced degree. My my doctorate is in conducting, uh, and I earned that at Northwestern University. I wow. studied with Mallory Thompson, who's, you know, the best in the business. She and my mentor from Colorado, Alan McMurray, um, they're, they're two of the most amazing pedagogues and artists uh, 
that you can possibly study with. So I was pretty fortunate. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Stephen, I want to turn back to you. What is um, what it's is fascinating? <laughs> you, you've Stephen. been you've been singing and dancing for more than twenty years now with with the Revels. What what keeps you coming back to the stage like that every time? Gosh, well. Well, I love it, obviously. Sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's various parts of it are just really fascinating to me. Uh, and I think it's, um, oh, there's there's the singing part. And I've just grown quite a lot, you know, into into figuring out how how to, you know, how to project to an audience, how to connect to an audience. I don't know. There was something that happened to me about four or five years ago when I had a solo. It wasn't actually. It was in a kind of a Revel spin out, uh, mm-hmm. spin off, but it was a sort of a concert at the uh, Washington um, uh, Historical Museum, in which I realized, oh, if I actually had, if I, if I really understood the words of this song, it was a, it was a sailing song, okay, okay. and it was about sailors who really wanted to go home. They just really, really wanted to go home. And literally, just like five minutes before, you know, I, I got up to, to sing that piece, I realized, oh, this is actually real, what these guys, <laughs> what this song is all about. And I just poured myself right into that. And um, that it kind of changed me. It, it, it really did change me. And uh, so, so that was one, I think, a kind of a being able to grow through the music and and connect with with people in ways that you know you don't you know that's no other and I would way to I would that. bet that the audience knew that that there was something special happening during that song as well because you can you can tell when someone really really is feeling it in that way. Uh, there were there were people who came out and yeah they said that afterward they said thank you for that and of course anybody who says thank you that's that's automatically it's <laughs> like <laughs> cocaine for a that's a win that's a win <laughs> for a singer. <laughs> um, what about the dancing? Is that something that that came naturally to you? Or did you have no, to work on that? No, not at all. Uh, my wife and I took dancing lessons, you know, for a long time here to try to work that up. Um, so no, but the piece of dancing that that I really got into at Revels is is the Morris dancing part, which Morris dancing is this old, uh, it's an old English dancing tradition. It's kind of a village dancing tradition. You mm-hmm. wear white pants, you got bells on your on your on your feet, and uh, and a sash, and you, you jump up and down a lot. <laughs> okay, sounds fun. And it's fun. It kind of uh, that sometimes you have sticks, and and so the dance involves like you know these complicated lines of guys or or, or people. Uh, Sort of trying to not hit each other with you know with their with their sticks, and uh, but in the middle of the of the revel show, it's uh, right before the intermission. There is there's a piece that's done every year. Okay, it's called the Lord of the Dance, and it was choreographed originally by um, actually by by uh, by John Langstaff's team, who is the originator of revels back in back in Cambridge. And uh, you know, it follows a, a story of of uh, the 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 line of that of that song is um, someone who would really like to have other people dance with him. Okay. Okay. And it's meaningful to him, and he really wants that that to happen. And so that's what the lead singer is doing. And there are two other Morris dancers. So I haven't. I, I I've oh, I've long been one of those two other dancers. 
Wow. And uh, so that tradition in trying to figure out how to sort of master just the basics of Morris dancing is, is, is a challenge. And then to try to figure out how that messages out to the audience, you know, because at the end of that piece, the whole Everybody is invited. The whole audience, 700 people are invited to, to stand up. And if they want to get on stage, they can. Wow, that's <laughs> okay. cool. Everybody's invited to, to stand up. So there's, there's this like here, this is, this is something that, that we all want to do together. And uh, so to try to figure that, that out. And I've had the pleasure actually this, this year because I'm not in the show this year. Um, it, but I've been able to uh, uh, help the, train up the, the two dancers who are doing who are doing it? One of them is a her, and she's actually a USGS employee here in town, and, and and but turns out she had a background in dance. This is what you know, which she just kind of like what you said earlier. She hasn't really danced for a long time, yeah. And then being in the show, she realized I could do this. So cool. so we did this with Anne, and then the other one is uh, Lauren. He's a he's a piano tuner in town, <laughs> and uh, and had never done any. Morris dancing. Anyway, the fun part of that for me was actually watching these guys do this and and just understanding it, I think, more from an audience point of view. I think, yeah. you know, of just saying, oh, well, you're angry right now or you're, you're, you're really, you really, really want this other person <laughs> to follow you. So make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of. Yeah. So it's fun to be kind of on that side of the, of the equation. What would you tell someone who who comes away inspired by uh, you know what you're doing on stage and says I want to do more of this? Um, how easy would it be for them to participate in revels or anything else in Tacoma? Do you think? Well, um, there it's an audition. You know, to be to be in it, it's there's an audition uh, and it's a singing audition. On the other hand, you don't have to be able to read music. So there's a very folksy kind of element to it. So we get a lot of people who just come in and they say, well. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how to read music, but this is what I can do. <laughs> they belt it out. You're like, oh my God, you know, uh, sure. Yeah. We went you <laughs> on stage and BJ, who is the, the, uh, the director and, um, and Megan, who's the, the music director, they, they kind of together try during the auditions to see what would, what would be a good dynamic on stage. So, I think the main thing that you need is kind of uh, an enthusiasm. I think that yeah. <laughs> enthusiasm gets you 80% of the way there. Look. And uh, so, okay. yeah, I, a lot of people, a lot of people um, don't really realize that they have, um, they don't really realize that, that they can do it, I guess. Sure. Until, until they get to that part and then they're hooked. Sure. Um, what about a, a concert band? Is that an opportunity for someone who, you know, played the the cello and, or actually probably not cello because you don't have any strings, do you? No, just a <laughs> oh, string bass. String bass, yeah. okay. So so is that an opportunity for someone who uh, played, you know, in high school or something like that to audition for the concert band? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So all the members of the Tacoma Concert Band are, are local uh, musicians who've all auditioned. It is an auditioned ensemble. So um, when seats open up, um, once you're a member of the band, you're going to keep your seat. Okay. Uh, so um, all the members that were have been there um, for numerous years um, have a spot. And when they decide that they want to retire from the ensemble, then when that spot opens, we hold auditions to fill the seat. Got it. And we have a, a long list of subs uh, for the ensemble. So 
um, whenever someone's sick or um, if they have a family event or something where they can't attend a rehearsal, um, they'll use the sub list and call in one of the pre-approved subs. So even the subs have to audition to be on the list. And then typically what happens is they get on that sub list, and then when something opens permanently, then right. they can audition for that seat, and they usually get it. Very so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, one of the things that we always like to talk about on this podcast is how people can participate mm -hmm. in the arts because yeah. while you know there's definitely a, a, a physical barrier between the stage at the pantages and the and the, and the seats um, it's one that that can be crossed surprisingly easily mm -hmm. I think if, if people mm -hmm. have the interest they just mm -hmm. so they just have to know that and think about that so. absolutely oh, I, I couldn't agree more and um, my message on my first program my inaugural concert at, was at the Rialto Theater because the Pantages was still being renovated. Mm -hmm. And that was back in October. And I had told the audience this, you know, my my message and my intent this entire first season is all around friends, family, making connections with people. And, and that's on all levels. Um, so specifically um, with the audience. And I think as a conductor... The smart ones will always consider their audience so that it's not an ego-driven, you know, I have to do this repertory or they need to play this repertory. It's like, well, what about the audience? And so there has to be a balance there. And I think especially with something like the Tacoma Concert Band, um, it's about community. They are a family and their families come to the show. And, you know, Bob Musser founded this group 38 years ago. And he's created this sense of community and family. And that's really, really important. It's their DNA. Wow. And so for me, this upcoming program, which I know we're going to talk about, but my intent with, with this holiday show is to connect to the audience. And I'm going to be speaking with them at the concert, breaking down that veil, if you will, or sometimes people call it the wall. I don't like that. I want to pull the audience on stage with us, metaphorically speaking, right. <laughs> like through what we're performing and how we're connecting with them so that there's a sympathetic vibration and energy between the performers on the stage and the people that are in the house. I, I love that. And we're going to hear more about that when we come back from our break. And we'll talk about the shows you have coming up this weekend. Great. This episode is sponsored by Alma Mater. Alma Mater is a new music venue, coffee shop, bar, co-working space, recording studio, outdoor experience in downtown Tacoma. We had Adult Civics Happy Hour there uh, recently, and they graciously sponsored that event. And we want to give this opportunity to thank them and encourage you, the listeners, to go check them out if you haven't been already. Matriarch, Honey, or a show at Fawcett Hall. There's a lot of things happening. You can visit them uh, online, Alma Mater Tacoma, to find out more. Thanks, Alma Mater. So I could add to that if you want. Uh, um, just there's a there was another transformation that I had uh, as a performer, which was sort of really finally understanding that. Um, that you're not really there exactly to perform. You're actually there to share in the pleasure and the joy of, of what that's all about. Mm -hmm. You know, and therefore, things like a solo that used to be terrifying, you know, 
become something completely different. Well, Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's it's part of like my pedagogy and teaching at any level, whether it's at the university or my high school teaching I did or middle school teaching or now working with professionals. But that's that the music is an expression that comes from from you. And so you're not performing, you're actually exposing yeah, right. your interpretation, mm-hmm. your <laughs> intent. And so it's not a performance because there's, unfortunately, when we use that word performance, it turns into this idea that like, I'm going to do something that. And it needs I'm to going, be perfect. I'm going to perform. Yeah. I'm going to be this other thing. It's like, no, 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 you, yeah. you're not that other, that is you. Yeah. And it, if, if you as an artist as an interpreter because that's my my it's funny as a conductor i don't make any sound <laughs> i wave a stick mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i i what i'm trying to do is inspire and convey my sense of interpretation through my movement through gesture to get an ensemble of 60 70 people to understand what i'm asking for and then somehow come together as one expression and and deliver that to any audience. Wow. So it's it's powerful. It's, I love what you're saying, Steve, because it's true. It's that it's it comes from inside of you if if you if you approach it that if way. If you approach it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I guess that was no. the other thing that I well, there's, kind of there's, learned. There's the, basically the hard no way. such thing either. I and mean. there right, there isn't right. There's no such thing. And and if you remove just let all that sort of sense of this has to be perfect away mm-hmm. you just get you have to get rid of all that even if it means stopping right in the middle and saying i'm going to do that again well, you know, right yeah and telling the audience okay you know we're going to well, right. Do that. I think it's a difference too, like just thinking artistically. You know, where something yeah. comes mm-hmm. from matters. Like where where is that coming from? You can you can you can create a painting in many different ways, but you sometimes what happens is we don't get in touch with the really um, the personal intent, and then becomes what I would say paint by number. Like yeah. do this, mm-hmm. do this, do this, do this, and then you're going to get this image. Well, somehow that doesn't feel like high art right then when someone looks at a blank canvas or a huge chunk of marble and goes okay now i just need to take away the marble that doesn't belong there to reveal what i see or i'm going to look at this blank canvas and envision what i want and then it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and the the, the viewer just looks at the product and they don't necessarily know any of that but what's there is a soul Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I think that's why people connect with various things, um, artistically speaking, is because it's resonating and vibrating within them for some reason. Yeah. And you don't have to know why. You just have a feeling like, I don't know why I love this painting so much or this piece of music or, or you know, any production, a stage production. They just do. And I think that that's why, though, it's because it's where it comes from, where I, it originates. I agree. Let's uh, let's talk about what's coming up this weekend. So uh, there are performances by both uh, the concert band and uh, the Revels. Um, do you want to start telling us about uh, the Let It Snow with the concert band? Sure, absolutely. So uh, Saturday, uh, the fifteenth, seven thirty p.m. at the Pantages Theater, um, the newly renovated, Pantages newly renovated, Theater. and it is gorgeous. Yeah. There's a center aisle now. Oh wow! Yeah. And the seating uh, capacity is virtually the same, um, but new carpeting, um, they've restored the walls, uh, new the ceiling, the new seats. And they're actually um, they're in the same fashion 
is the older ones, like with the wrought iron um, sides and feet and stuff. They're beautiful, but they're all new, and it's it's gorgeous. So uh, in our program, uh, it's, uh, as we mentioned, uh, titled Let It Snow, is a celebration of the holidays. It's a celebration of our friends and family that are around us. It's a celebration for one another within the ensemble and for our audiences of both people who are with us and those that have passed. Um, for me, when I think of the holidays, the most fond memories I have were as a child um, and the magic of the holiday season. And with that were my grandparents and aunts and uncles who are no longer with me. Um, but somehow, I think reflecting on those memories and those feelings and those people just, you know, makes the holidays very, very special. So we're going to celebrate everything. We're going to start with a really rousing, um, uh, energetic opener by Ron Nelson called Rocky Point Holiday. We're going to also explore the mystery of uh, humanity uh, through our second piece called O Magnum Mysterium. Um, we move from there to a piece by David Mislanka called Liberation, which uh, the ensemble is required to um, sing some uh, Gregorian chant wow. in it. And the chant uh, for this piece is um, um, something that is recited next to a person who's deceased. And the chant is for, uh, it's a prayer for their soul to be accepted into heaven, wow. uh, for them to, to rest peacefully. So this piece is on the program um, as a uh, holiday gift, if you will, to all of those people that are no longer with us. I think you're going to make some people cry in the audience. <laughs> well, I, well, I told the ensemble last night in rehearsal, I'm like, I, I said that same thing. I'm like, people are going to cry. I said, well, I'm going to cry. You know, like, <laughs> Um, but that's the thing. I want everyone to reflect on those memories. And, and really, you know, through this performance, I want them to explore their past, yeah, and their present, and think about their future. So well, then we, we're going to lighten things up after that, though. We're going to do a little bit of uh, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas medley, which is really wonderful. And then we're going to do a sing-along of Leroy Anderson's A Christmas Festival, so the audience will get to participate in that. Cool. Uh, after intermission, we have Ryan Mello, uh, our, our city councilman, yeah. uh, uh, coming to do a reading of uh, A Visit from St. Nick. Wow. Um, set to Rossini's Overture to Semiramide, which is very unusual, but it's really, really, really cool. Um, and then we'll do a little green sleeves. Uh, we have the and the the closer, if you will, on, on the program is uh, Barnes' uh, fantasy variations on a theme of Paganini, which is a Christmas gift from me as a conductor to the ensemble because within this theme and variations, every single every single part of the ensemble is featured. And they're going to get to share their amazing playing uh, as a featured sections with the audience. And it's it's just an amazing, wonderful piece of music. And then, you know, of course, what would it be, you know, the holidays, what would they be without a little Leroy Anderson sleigh ride? So... I think I think sleigh ride might be my favorite Absolutely. Uh, Christmas carol yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty wonderful. Yeah, it's gonna so be it's gonna be a great show. Saturday the fifteenth, 
Seven thirty mm-hmm. at the Pantages. At the Pantages, yeah. Okay, and we'll put a link out for tickets as well. Great. Yeah. Yes, thank you. So that is awesome. I just want to say. <laughs> You're like, I want to go. I want to go. And, well, you'll be right next door. Uh, be right next door. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's um, the rebels up to? Well, actually, I was going to say we have also done O Magnum Mysterium on mm. stage in Revels a cappella a cappella, and it's just I I can attest a super a super moving. Peace. Just love that. Um, Great. What, what, what will uh, Revels be doing? So, and you, uh, have, you have more dates, so you're not just in direct competition. You guys correct. Aren't, aren't competing for our that listeners here. That is right. So we do have one show that overlaps, um, which is the Saturday evening show. But there's a Saturday matinee, and then there's a Sunday matinee and evening, and then we come back on on Tuesday and Wednesday evening shows the, the, the 18th and 19th. So it's, okay. So it's... So, yeah, what can you, we, can, what you can, can do all of them. Yeah. <laughs> what can we expect? Is there a theme? How, what, what's, the, what's the show like? So uh, the the uh, BJ, our artistic, um, well, the, the, the overall director, um, just the mechanics of it work kind of like this: is that is that there's a there's a there's a theme that comes bubbling out of Cambridge, which is sort of Cambridge, Rebels, England. Is that Cambridge? Sorry, Cambridge, Mass. Okay. And there's a there's a group of artists there who sort of create shows, hmm. and then there are you know there's you know nine or so um, cities across the country, and uh, each one of those cities will pick up a different theme. Hmm. Not all the same theme every year. So last year we did a, a sort of a, a Spanish Camino uh, show and and so yeah. on. So there's different themes, but then what happens is that is that we pick that up and put our own. You know, we have local talent that that you know that you know folk bands that have instruments and skills and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so the theme this one it's set in actually a very conventional uh, revels. It's set in uh, like sixteen uh, hundreds England. Okay. And uh, and uh, and there are some. There's a kind of a problem. So there's a there's a tension that goes through every revels. Okay, and this is really kind of BJ's, I think, um, particular skill is that she she creates an event that everything else then has to kind of conform to in the rest of the show, and and the music has to sort of work around that as well. So in this case, the event is that a, a young girl in the village sees something that she probably shouldn't have seen. There are sprites and stuff, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and and there are people who don't, you know, don't actually believe that such things exist. Turns out the audience can see more than the people on stage can see. Okay, (laughs) so it's kind of cool because they know what's going on. You in the audience knows. So there's a little drama with the music. So there's a little drama, and that sort of theme eventually gets wrapped around sort of the larger theme, which is the changing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's the shortest day of the year, and there's a lot of traditional song and dance that has always been built around that. People get together in the middle of winter in the dark and and have come up with songs and dances that that that, you know, Sort of, I think, express their collective hope and faith yes. <laughs> that the spring's going to come back. Yes, and so anyway, so that sort of that larger narrative is kind of weaved in and around what what you know that that other particular event with the with the young woman. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and then there's in the middle of it, you know, people will bust out into various kinds of drinking songs, you know, and uh, and uh, and there's a mummers play at the end, and the mummers play is also this ancient, you know, old tradition, right. you know, right where people just sort of assume certain characters and. And there's a crazy doctor, and a, and a, a, a kind of a moment at which you I, you kind of need to believe that something is going to happen in order to make it happen. Okay. So uh, anyway, so that's kind of the trajectory of every revels, but every revels is different, and, right. and this one, the setting is 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 that sixteen sixteen hundreds England sixteen hundreds rather loosely, but okay. yeah. And there's some cool instrumentation. You know, we've got a crumb horn in the in the in, oh, the, in the band, and a uh, and a and a guy uh, who plays the hurdy gurdy, which is this thousand year old instrument that actually originated in in what Europe. What does it look like? It mechanic. I, I was just studying it last night. Um, mech, if you think about a a a. a, a like violin machine. <laughs> okay. So there's a wheel that's got the resin on it. Yep. And you turn that, you, that's the crank, you turn that, and then you are able to sort of press strings down onto it and you can change the length of those. You know, you can. there's a fretting essentially sure, sure, on sure. it. So that's, that's so, so mechanically what it looks like is, is, uh, is, is the, the player's got one hand on a crank and the other one is on a kind of a keyboard you know, set of keys. That, wow. So, uh, yeah. and it sounds very medieval. Yes. <laughs> right. It's and got, the crumb horn too, right? Yeah. Uh, when? It's got a great name. Yeah. Gertie. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we can, uh, so that is this weekend, we've got two on Saturday, two on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. Is correct. That right? Lots yeah. of opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we will also put a link in the show notes uh, for that one so that people can find tickets. So That's you wonderful. can go to both of these. You can yes. go to both. You could even do a double a double <laughs> you feature. Could, it sounds you like. could do the matinee with Revels and yes. then go. Uh, you know, frequent one of the Tacoma. You know, downtown right. restaurants and right. then come to the seven thirty program. So true. That's pretty you know, great. Yeah, get some Christmas shopping done in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, one of and I didn't prep you for this. So this is uh, flying blind or shooting shooting blind. So here's one of the things that we like to do at the end of this podcast is ask our guests who. In the Tacoma arts community, is doing work you really admire right now. So that could be an organization, that could be an individual, but we always like to to give the opportunity to give a shout out um, to someone who is just doing something that that you really appreciate, um, uh, so that uh, our listeners can get an idea of uh, of you know someone else to follow or someone else to find, and maybe it gives me an idea for a new host or for a guest for a future podcast. So. Anyone come to mind or any organization? Well, I can tell you one person that comes to mind. Um, it, it, her name is Debbie Berkey, and she is the director. This is not – I'm not sure if this is what you had in mind. No, this sounds good already. But she, um, she puts together a choir at, at a retirement home. And uh, and there's a lot of talent, as it turns out, <laughs> at that particular retirement home. And it's a it's a it's a singing group, and they got a piano, and um, so they put on a concert every year, <clears throat> every spring. Hmm. And oh, it's just so amazing! I, I love going to it. Um, it's all you know, a range of ages, all people who are you know in a retirement home. Right. Um, and just to see the spirit of these guys, and anyway, it's just, 
you can just really see how it has has really made a difference. I think in their lives to to to, to have the opportunity to that's wonderful to sing. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, that, that would that was the first thing that came to mind. That's great, Jared. Do you have one that comes to mind? Well, I have quite a few things that come I'm, to I'm mind. sure there. I'm sure we could go on with this for a while, but but. Um, Usually the best uh, the the best course of action is to mention the thing that first pops in your head, and and it's actually um, an individual um, who's a sculptor hmm. who I met this summer, and I found um, to be just one of the most wonderful artists and human beings. His name is Gustavo. Uh, he lives uh, in South Tacoma, and he teaches at the community college and does um, uh, has a studio. But he's uh, he works in pottery, and um, he creates these vessels, um, thinking about the divine forms of what a vessel represents, um, from the womb of a vessel of. Mm-hmm. becoming, you know, a human being to to just about everything. So, like, his art is just infused with what it means to be alive and be human. And I celebrate any artist who explores the art of being human. I think that we all need that in our lives, especially right now on the planet. Yes. So. Gustavo, sculptor in South Carolina. Yeah, and I can give you his contact information. I would like yeah. that because I would like to talk to Gustavo because that's yeah. a pretty cool story. He's fascinating. He's an amazing person. I met him actually teaching up at the Sitka Fine Arts Camp up in Alaska oh, wow. this summer. We were teaching middle school kids. And the way he connected with everyone from the middle school age students through the faculty was just remarkable. So he's a good friend now. That's wonderful. Well, thank you both for uh, coming uh, onto the podcast and talking about yourselves and uh, the performances and the and the shows that we can expect to see. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, and th- thank you so much. Great. Thank you. We'll be back for another episode soon. Thank you. Well, that was an inspiring interview. It was indeed. I uh, I'm I'm really interested in uh, seeing if I can get to some of these performances, and uh, Gustavo sounds pretty cool too. He does, and uh, I actually popped onto Facebook and looked at a little of his work while we were chatting. So there you go. <laughs> so in addition to this, uh, for December, I think some of the other things people often do at this time of year they see the Nutcracker, mm-hmm. which is I think in Federal Way uh, now. The Tacoma City Ballet performs in Federal Way. Zoo Lights goes through January 6th, of course, uh, on the Metro Parks Board. I always encourage you to go to Zoo Lights. Go uh, ice skating. You can go down, ice skating uh, down at uh, Frozen Fountain, mm-hmm. always a classic. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I'm uh, also going to try to see is uh, Scrooged the Musical at uh, Tacoma Little Theater. My friend Andrew Fry is Scrooge. Bah humbug. Bah humbug. I'm going to go see that. So uh, happy holidays, everyone. And I hope we've given you some ideas of things to do to celebrate the season. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. And please consider supporting Channel 253 with a monthly or annual membership. Go to channel253.com. This is Channel 253.